2: Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McAuliffe.
1: Well, good day, and thank you for joining us again here right here on The Coaching Show, bringing you people on the cutting edge of coaching and with information that you need each and every week for over 15 years, which means I'm slightly over 22. Uh, all right. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, and we are in... You've, you've arrived on a great day. What can I tell you? You are brilliant and... Um, and uh wise for being here today because we're going to talk all about social media. And I don't know, I don't care whether you're a, a person who uses social media well and and brilliantly every day, or if you are like me, a dinosaur, and don't know why people uh, are taking pictures of their food who don't have a mental illness. Uh, anybody in that range is going to be learning something today, and um, your practice will be the better for it. Of course, we want to start The program, like we do each and every week, by shouting out to a couple of organizations and people that you need to know about. The first is our fine friends at the International Coach Federation. We are delighted, honored, and uh, inspired to be a media partner with the International Coach Federation. Our partnership is now in its fourth year, gives us a welcome opportunity to support the fine work of the folks involved in the association. And they are fine people. I tell you, I, every once in a while, when I have a question, concern, thought, feeling, body sensation, or psychic intuition, and I contact them, they get right back to me. Uh, last night somebody got back to me after hours because they happen to be working from home. You gotta love that kind of dedication. The International Coach Federation, which is of course also known as the ICF, is a leading global organization dedicated to advancing the coaching profession. They do that by setting high standards, by providing independent certification, and by building a worldwide network of trained coaching professionals. If you think about it, it's the world's largest organization of professionally trained coaches. And therefore, the ICF elicits instant credibility for its members, like me, and the ICF is also committed to connecting professional coaches like you and me with the tools and resources we need to succeed in our careers. There's all sorts of treasure there. If you go to the ICF website, coachfederation.org, you'll find all kinds of things that are useful, valuable, delicious, and interesting. Um, There's uh, one of the world's largest, I believe the world's largest treasure trove of research in coaching. So if you need to prove ROI or prove the effectiveness of coaching for a pitch you're making, that's your spot. If you want to just find out about coaches, coach meetings, and other events in your area, that's your spot. If you want to get some training for free that's uh, CCEU approved, that's your spot. There's more, more, more. Go to coachfederation.org or check them out on Twitter at, at, because you have to talk like that with Twitter, ICFHQ. That's at, at. ICF HQ. We're also delighted to have an ICF representative on this year's show each and every month. Uh, so we've talked to everybody from membership people to uh, the executive director to um, people that are in charge of research, every kind of thing. So you want to stay tuned for those uh, shows or check them out on the archives right here. All right. Uh, the other... Find people you need to know about before we even get before we even take another step. Is look if you're like me, well, God help you. But if you are, then when you go to look for coach training, you're looking for the finest. You're not looking for the cheapest. You're not looking for the most widespread. You're not looking for you know the quickest uh, diploma mill. You're looking for something that's going to train you, train you once, train you well, and at the highest level. You're looking for the Harvard, the the Oxford, the the Stanford of coaching. And if you're looking for that, go no further than Accomplishment Coaching. You can find them on the web at accomplishmentcoaching.com, home of the world's finest coach training program. And they're not kidding. More hours, more training, more live training. All of their work, small groups in person. And they're ICF accredited, of course. And the only place that I know of where you can get an entire year with a coach once a week, just like a regular coach, as part of your training package and You can go observe the coach training program before you register, before you do anything. Just ask for an invitation and you will get one. You can go see the coach training program in person. And man, wouldn't that be cool to be able to check outside, you know, to look in that black box before you make a decision about your time and money? So check it out. Accomplishment Coaching. Here are the cities they're in. I will list them because I can read. Um, Number one, San Diego, California, Seattle, Washington. Uh, Victoria, British Columbia, beautiful little island, Chicago, Illinois, New York City, the Big Apple, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where we could certainly use some leadership development. All of those places are available now for you to check it out and register into if you so choose. Again, accomplishmentcoaching.com. And, of course, if you're looking for a coach, why not go to the place with the finest trained coaches, accomplishmentcoaching.com. All right. I want to introduce you to somebody We're we're going to talk all about social media today, as I said And I want to introduce you to somebody Who's an extraordinary coach, a powerhouse leader A delicious human being And uh, uh, a kick in the pants Michelle Aiken is a coach From uh, the eastern wilds of our United States And she is a person who Before she was a coach Was internet famous Michelle, look around outside Where do you join us from today? Hello, Michelle we need to push some buttons so we can hear Michelle. There are lots of people with lots of faces, very concerned, walking around uh here today. We're going to find Michelle. She's Hi. she's under some um under something. You know, it's always they're always in the last place you left them. Leave them. Michelle, are you there?
0: Hello. Hello. Hi!
1: I got very excited. Uh, hi! <laughs> Sorry, we we found the right buttons to push, and we found somebody to push them. Michelle, uh, my question, if you recall, because we're coaches, we remember this stuff. Was uh, look around us. Where are you today?
0: Uh, I am in New Jersey.
1: Get out! No, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, well, first of all, welcome. And will you tell us a little bit about your internet fame? Your, you know, what it, how you became famous, and how sure. people knew
0: yeah, I, back in college, I, I went to school for uh, digital filmmaking, and also got into comedy with my college roommate Grace, and then we started a uh, sketch comedy group and an online vlog, as they call it, a video blog, which is not a vlog but a vlog on YouTube, and we we amassed a following of tens of people <laughs> at first, and um, at some point a larger a larger, uh, YouTuber found us and promoted us on their channel. And overnight we went from 2000 followers that we had, we had grown very organically over the course of two or three years to 2000 followers. Um, we went from 2000 to 10,000 overnight. And then it was just, uh, it, it grew very quickly from there. Uh, and basically we would just sit down and jibber jabber about our lives and then edit it together in a way that was easy to watch and really fun. And, um, it didn't ask a lot of people. It was Everything was two minutes or less. Uh, and we just had a good time. And, and primarily, we were always making videos to try and make each other laugh. And nice. I think that was the, the key.
1: As opposed to male comedians who are trying to uh, make you laugh also. Exactly. Uh, yeah. All right. So you know a thing or two and have sort of come up to find your way to the social media universe. You've mm-hmm. You've become one of those people who like, hosts things and puts pictures up and people keep in touch with you like that. So I know that you're going to be excited today uh, to co-host. You're a you're special guest co-host today. Yes. That's your official title. And um, the the entire hour today, it's my intention that we talk about the social media universe and how we can use different tools and different approaches to actually make social media work for us. If sure. you, before I bring on our next guest, um, what's your take on social media today? Is it a must do for all business people? Is it a must do for people in service business like coaches? What's your take on it?
0: I mean, my first thing about it is that you need to enjoy it, whatever platform you're on. So people will say to me, should I be on Twitter? And I say, do you like Twitter? Have you used it? Do you enjoy it? Do you get something out of it for yourself? Because if you don't, it's going to be really obvious to the people who are following you or looking for you there, that you are trying to do Twitter instead of be Twitter. Because it's... <laughs> <laughs> and I then you can have
1: Twitter,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. I started there when uh, it was fun. I just, I used it. I was a user of, of it. I didn't have a business that I was promoting in any way. I, I mean, I suppose I had a brand, but I didn't know what a brand was. This was back when it first started. And so I was just being goofy on there. And I'm still goofy on there. That's like, that's just my place to go be a goof. Mm -hmm. And it remains, it just just remained, it's the same. If you went back in my history and read five years ago, I sound pretty much the same on Twitter. (laughs) Goofy goofy
1: is as goofy does. So the, um, okay, so now, you know, I'm a dinosaur. I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know why people take pictures of their food. I don't know why, you know, I should care about somebody (laughs) named Jenner or Kardashian. I just don't know why they seem, they seem kind of annoying to me. What's the, what's the, your take on the beginning of social media or, you know, where should we like uh, dip our toe in the water or should we?
0: (laughs) I think, uh, first you have to be a bit of a stalker and, uh, and just see what's going on there and find people that you're interested in and see what they're doing and communicate with people. Cause fundamentally it's a communication device. And I know for me, uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm an extroverted introvert. So when I'm around people, I'm good, but typically I'm a bit of a hobbit and I hang out and I'm in, I just call myself an internet kid. I, I, you know, from joining the coach training program that a big thing for me was learning how to interact with people in real life. And what I would do is I would go up in front of a room in front of a bunch of people and treat them like a camera. Yeah. And that was the big hurdle for me was learning how to talk to other humans. Cause I'd been talking to a camera for so long. And, uh, and so at the same time, it was really helpful for me cause I was going through a lot. I, I was going through the loss of my mother and, just being a 20 something in New York and trying to be an actress and all this difficult stuff. And I had all these friends online to communicate with and to share what was going on with me and to hear about them and to not feel so alone. So that, that was the big thing for me. And it's transformed now into just, that's where a lot of my friends are. Even my friends in other countries, my friends all over the world that want to keep up with what I'm doing. And I know a lot of them and I know what they're doing. In fact, one of them is staying with me right now from Sweden, wow yeah my friend martin he's here Just from l- sweden
1: let people into your home that seems odd yeah. um i'm <laughs> i'm teasing hey let's get uh, another expert up up in this piece uh jay i'm very excited to have jay-z on the show today oh no i think i read that i misread that uh jay is so and i'm sure you'll correct me if i said that wrong uh his he's witty he's wise he knows a lot of things about social media uh, the uses and abuses of social media. He's also, of course, the author of a book, uh, you know, everybody should be, right, called Got Social Mediology. Uh, he's known as the Internet Doctor, and he's an author, a speaker, a consumer analyst, and a psychological business consultant who helps entrepreneurs and businesses reduce their marketing budget and achieve greater results by understanding the psychology of their consumer in face-to-face and social media environments. We're delighted to welcome to our microphone Jay Isso. Is that, is that the correct pronunciation, sir?
2: You know what? the The simplest pronunciation is think of Coach Izzo Nova. from Michigan State, uh-huh. and that is the easiest way to pronounce it. So Izzo is great, but my football coach in high school couldn't get it right, so he called me Izo Izzo Izo. Izzo, so it really doesn't matter to me <laughs> as long as
1: I kind of like that he, guy. He can, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, uh, yeah,
2: Coach Stinglehoff is awesome.
1: I'll, I'll I'll pose the same question that I did uh, that you I sure. assume you've heard with Michelle, which is where does where do we start especially if we're not of the you know millennial generation where we didn't grow up with a phone or some digital device in our hands
2: yeah so i you know i don't think of the platforms as platforms i think of them as cultures and so because they each you know culture is about language and the unwritten rules norms and expectations and so When I think about a culture that is the easiest to fit into in this social media world, I I think LinkedIn is easiest for us to start just to kind of get your feel around of what a social media culture is about, especially now that Microsoft has purchased it and they're making it a little bit more friendly Mm -hmm. than the stuffy business culture that it was. So I like people to kind of start there and feel their way around versus the frenziness of, say, Twitter – which Michelle, I was with Michelle when this whole thing started, and and when Twitter was fun, Mm -hmm. when we actually had conversations, and we were joking around, and we were being silly, and we were talking to people that we never thought we would ever talk to on Twitter, and now, of course, that's all changed, but uh, it's too frenzied. Facebook can be a little overwhelming just because you can't deal with all the personal information coming at you, and what we understand psychologically is sometimes watching other people's happiness can make you a little depressed. Yeah, sounds funny, but it's really true. It's true. And so I like LinkedIn because I think it's the safest place to kind of get your feet wet in the social media world.
1: Okay, great. Um, let's talk about the... I love that notion of uh, platforms as culture. So it seems to me that for as long as I've been aware of social media, which is about 20 minutes, um, we we've been sort of in a race, right, where the kids are trying to find the new platform to go be themselves and just hang out together and get away from mom and dad who are sort of right behind them, right? So first the kids were on Facebook, then mom and dad showed up on Facebook, so they went someplace else. I I don't Mm -hmm. know where, but you could tell me. Tumblr. um, Tumblr, great. And is that sort of all, do you foresee that to continue, like the kids are just going to keep finding new and exciting places, Vine or whatever, to, um, to, I know that Vine's not a, Thing um, <laughs> I was going
0: to say, vine <laughs> died, yeah. all right,
1: fine. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I- I- is that a necessary thing? Like, is our society just going to always do that?
2: Well, we've always done that, haven't we, as human beings? Right? When we, as we were growing up, we were close to our parents as small children, and then as we move into adolescence, we want to distance ourselves from our parents, so we would sneak off somewhere before the days of social media. We would sneak off somewhere privately, and not tell our parents where we were going. Mm-hmm. And we would get away with things that we would not ordinarily get away with. And once our parents found out where that secret place was, we'd move it to another secret place. Right. It's the same thing that we're doing in these cultures. We're just, or you can think of them as an ecological niche so where we can fit in. And so as we, as we are human, and we are human even online, even in a digital world, we're just moving from place to place to try to find some place to escape. So Snapchat, right, is real popular with the teens. That's a really popular uh, culture right now, as well as Instagram, because Instagram is duplicating what Snapchat does and actually does it better. And the parents don't understand either one. So they bounce back and forth because it's harder for the parents to keep up with. it. So we're going to see that continue, regardless of what it is.
1: Okay. But so... um I, I think I'm already out of my depth a little bit. So let's go back a step. One of the things <laughs> that, I, that I love, Jay, is that you've got... By the way, Michelle, if you want to speak, you're going to have to like, just I force your way in here. Cause, I know. You know yeah. Um, so, Jay, one of the things you know, that goes with the internet doctor moniker of yours is that you've started labeling diseases, including the digital foot and mouth disease. To get cured. DFMD. Right. Will you tell us yes. what that is? And uh, I think there are probably some recent examples that are pretty convenient.
2: <laughs> Digital foot and mouth disease, DFMD. Do not try that at home, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and by the way, Michelle, I was born in New Jersey, just to let you know. I was born Hello. in Ainsbergen County, in Union, in Union City Hospital, and my family still lives in Edison, Woodbridge, oh, Cotteret, that's Ford, right by where I am. New Brunswick. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So just to let you know.
1: Look for the statues of Jay on the corners. Yep.
2: Sorry. Yeah. So if you jump on top of me, that would be just a typical Jersey girl thing to do. So I'm comfortable (laughs) with that because I've got enough family to do. I'm
0: just waiting. Just we your point so I can interrupt you.
2: (laughs) 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 I'll do that. So digital foot and mouth disease. This is when we post something on one of the digital cultures that causes problems, either personally, professionally, both and can create all sorts of discomfort, pain, and suffering as a result of something that you said online. And so we see this quite often, and it, becomes a, it can become a huge train wreck mm-hmm. for people where they have to get to the point where they have to delete their accounts. They make excuses for their problems when they do digital foot-and-mouth disease, So it is a pervasive problem. It it, it occurs every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that somebody has DFMD online, and it doesn't matter which culture or platform that it is. It happens regularly, and it is painful, and it is hurt, and it's hard to overcome.
0: What I think is funny about it, too, is that uh, people, we seem to think it's this phenomenon that, people have ideas that we don't like Mm -hmm. and it's not we've always had ideas that each other didn't like we just now have all of these uh, platforms or cultures where we all have been given license to put everything in our brain on loudspeaker and that's all that's happening really because everybody's got thoughts that would anger five of the people in their vicinity if they were to say it out loud and now uh, we just have a place to do it publicly. I'm, stu-
1: I'm starting to feel like it's yeah, just you, Michelle.
0: I mean, it might be. Yeah,
1: sorry. <laughs> <Jenny>.
2: <laughs> yeah, Well, and, and Dr. Suler has created a term, and I'm so mad because I w- it's so simple, and yet I wish I would have created this term to help us understand it, and it's called online disinhibition effect. Nice. And uh, Dr. Suler is a great psychologist, digital psychologist, and... Online disinhibition effect is that when we are in front of a phone or a computer screen, we're less inhibited. And so we will say things that we probably would not say, well I know we would not say in person. Right. Because because of that disinhibition that occurs. And I don't Michelle, I don't know if you've ever done this. I did this once. So I decided one day I was going to really pay attention to what people were saying online that were personal friends of mine that I see face-to-face, and then I was going to bring up the subject matter face-to-face mm. that they said online. Okay, talk about really watching people become uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> they are so uncomfortable. You When you bring up something that they said on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the culture was. And I purposely did this, right? And as an experiment, just to see what would happen. And it was, it was so interesting that I had some people who immediately just just defriended me, stopped following me as soon as they got to their car with their phone because it was like I had encroached in that space where we were way too close, you know, the close mm-hmm. talker? You remember that from Seinfeld, the close yeah. talker? It was kind of that, that type of an experience where they ran away. It's really interesting. If you want to try that at home, Michelle, try it because it's really, really cool. You're going to lose some friends over it, but it's okay. You probably have enough. Yeah. So it's, well, my, <laughs>
0: actually, my husband did it recently. That's the, the first thing that popped into my head is a, a conversation he had with someone recently where he brought up, a discourse that they had had on Facebook and the person he was talking to said, I'm not willing to talk to you about this. I'm just very disappointed in you, but I'm not willing to talk to you about it.
1: <laughs> so disappointed that you would bring my awesome? own
2: words to me. yeah. Right? That's great. It's, that's awesome. That is, really? It's awesome because people don't even understand their own human behavior when they do things like that. I mean, it just tells you what a disconnect our digital world is from our real life. When they get that emotionally wrapped up into something they've said online versus what they say in person, it's really, really interesting. I think from a human psychological standpoint,
1: I want to I want to move from the theoretical to the practical. So uh, each of us, I think, has witnessed recently some some of what we would call this DFMD or what you're calling DFMD. You know, maybe um, train wrecks online. What what can we learn from those? And can we use some examples to really give our listeners some people, uh, some tools here, what to do when something sure. goes horribly wrong?
2: Sure. Well, there's, there's a, I mean, if you're follow athletes, uh, there's always been an athlete that has said something that they should not have said to a fan or in the public. One, when, Few years ago, Cardell Jones, who was quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes, had had tweeted out, "I don't know why we have to go to class because I'm here to play football. That's what we're here to do." And of course, it um, it met with all sorts of bad things for him in his college career, and he had to completely remove his entire uh, his his whole entire platform, all his cultures, because. He was getting controlled. He was controlled. But yesterday we had something, a couple days ago, we had something happen really, really major, probably unintentional, that created a huge stir. And this was United Airlines. Uh When people do, what you have to understand is, and I'm writing about this now, is you have to always make the assumption that you are being filmed, that you are on camera. I don't care what business you are in. And what happened with United Airlines a couple days ago when they asked four people to leave the plane because they needed to get four staff people on down right. to Louisville from Chicago, they end up dr- dragging this guy out of Sh- through the aisle by his arms, through the aisle, and somebody's filming this.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: Lots they're people, snapping right. pictures. Yes. This cost... the. the, the I, called a correlation. I think it's cause and effect, but their stock dropped to the point they lost $600 million in a day. Mm-hmm. United Airlines did. $600 million in one day. Now, I'm sure they can eat it without too much problem, but they didn't have to lose $600 million a day if United Airlines would have thought through the fact that there always is a camera everywhere, even when it's in airplane mode. And if it would it would have been much cheaper for them to have everybody exit the plane and then deal with it individually, even though it would have cost them some time, it would have been a lot cheaper than six hundred million dollars
1: well my my understanding yeah there there are a bunch of failures there, but I want to talk about in a moment about how to recover when there's something that 's right. either true or not true about you on the on the web so what we know about the United Airlines thing is that first of all, there's a failure of people right there because my understanding is they offered up to an eight hundred dollar voucher for people to volunteer, and we all know that if they'd gone to a thousand, seventeen people would have walked off the plane, right?
0: I I actually read that there's a cap on how much they can legally offer people, and that's why they didn't go above it.
1: Ah, okay, but there's so there's, oh, that's
0: interesting.
1: There's one failure, right? Or and then there's. Um, other perks that they perhaps could have offered, you know, including meals and whatnot that that would have made it more attractive for people. But then I think the, the piece that sort of speaks more to the digital foot-and-mouth thing is the CEO's response, right? Because, you know, right. we understand that sometimes in organizations, uh, mistakes happen on the front lines. But then when the CEO comes out and talks about reaccommodation... Oh... Look at that. I got surprised by the time. It's exciting right here on Amateur Hour. Uh, I apologize. I got so into my own story that I, uh, yeah, that tells us that it's time for a break. Of course, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the amazing JSO and Michelle Akin. Uh, you're joining us on The Coaching Show right here on wsradio.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. Back with you after two.
2: Hi, Mary. Our growth has me looking for new furniture, but I can't find the right vendor. Can you help? For sure. Do you know a company that
1: will give me a great value? For sure. Do you know a company that provides great selection?
3: For sure. Do you know a company that is professional and responsive? For sure. It's sure. Shore Office Warehouse has been providing great value, service, and selection for over 40 years. It's sure. For sure. ShoreOfficewarehouse.com.